the rumors surrounding Clay Helton, USC football's future is up in the air. I'm Sarah Coe, the presenter of this podcast and one of the editors at Annenberg Media Sports. Keep listening to Regan Griffin and Michael Fimafredo go back and forth on USC football's unpredictable future. Thanks for listening to the first part of this week's double episode installment. Make sure to follow at Media Sports to stay updated with all USC sports news and this podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Scoreboard. Took a little break, didn't we? Yeah. Took a little bit of a break, Thanksgiving. You know, got some turkeys in. Got to eat, you know. But you know where the real turkeys are? Who? UCLA. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like that, you know. That was a great game, wasn't it? Of course. 52-35 to 35 win we, for we, we all knew. Thomas isn't here today, but we we called it. It's going to be a high-scoring game. There mm-hmm. wasn't any way that game was going to go down. Of course. But, um, yeah, so what, what, what did you take away from it, from the, the regular season finale, right? So... The way I saw it, we called basically everything that was going to happen in that yeah. game. Big game for Keaton Slovis, shootout. Huge game but, for Keaton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was everything we expected, but more. Yeah. Like, I did not think Keaton Slovis was going to break the yeah. single game quarterback passing record. 15 yards. 515 yards. That's ridiculous. Four receivers over 100 yards. That- that's, I've never seen that before. And and you, granted, we lose one of those guys. USC loses one of those guys in Pittman, probably the best one. But, you know, you still got Brew McCoy waiting. That <laughs> offense is going to be dangerous next year. And we just signed Josh Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got plenty Four of Four-star recruit. But um, we won't delve too much in the game since it, 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 that was a while ago. But, you know, obviously you want to shout out Conquest. We conquered the Bruins. You love of course, to see it. Victory Bell back at USC. But from a bowl standpoint, right? Because we're bowl eligible, obviously. Um, it looks like we're the U.S. The Trojans are in between the Alamo Bowl and the Holiday Bowl. Um, so, what, yeah. what, what do you think it looks like from that standpoint? Who do you think we're the Trojans are going to play? What, what, do you have any projections there? So, I mean, it's all going to depend on Friday's right. Pac-12 championship between Utah and Oregon. Right now, I have Oregon winning that game. I just think they're. Really? I just think they're the better team and. The game's closer to home for them. And it's a little bit biased from our standpoint, right? Yeah, because we, 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 we beat saw, Utah. Exactly. We saw yeah. Utah, and then we saw Oregon. And that was those were two different, very different games for that team, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. The, the, Utah's pretty good. I, it's, it'll, it'll be a good one. It'll but. be a very good game. But So right now, that obviously has us in the Holiday Bowl. Right. And right now, I'm projecting we'd either play Iowa or Michigan. Michigan, right. Which... I would be completely fine with just because those two teams are right now better than us in the standings, mm-hmm. and it would be a good exactly way to show off how well we've played. It's this the culmination, year how- right? It's the culmination, and and for me, just looking at the progression of this team over the course of the season, all the adversity they had to take, this would be the culmination to say, okay, this is a young team with eighteen to twenty-two starters returning. Where is this team at going into next season? That's going to tell me everything I need to know thus far, right? Yeah, exactly. And our quarterback, the most important position, is going to. This is his final game of his freshman year. Right. How much has he progressed since that first time we saw him in the second half against Fresno State mm-hmm. to a game against a 15, 16th ranked right team? And then even for the seniors, right? You want to send them off on a good note. The Michael Pittmans of of the world. You you obviously want to. You know, see them off with a win, right? Exactly. Speaking of Pittman, man, that that dude's remarkable. He he's remarkable. And what what do you win the uh, the Pop Warner College Football Player of the Year award? Mm-hmm. And, and that just goes more than his on the field, more than football, right? Statistics. It, that's that, that's that's a, a great award for him. Just exactly. really shows off 
the USC culture. Exactly. And then he's also a finalist for the Blitnikoff Award, right? So, yeah, obviously, he's talented off the field, does his part off the field. Shout out to Michael Pittman. That, that, that's exceptional. But, I think the one thing about Michael Pittman that people fail to realize is, like we said, there are four different 100-yard receivers in the game last week. Right. The fact that Michael Pittman has dominated the way he has in such a crowded wide receiver room should show like what he can do at the next exactly. level. Exactly. Um, and I, I was thinking about it, and I was doing research for this episode, and I was looking at a lot of statistics from a single-season standpoint and from a career standpoint. Michael Pittman... You know, when you think of the the Robert Woods, the Nelson Aguilars, the Marquise Lees of the world, you know, the great USC Trojan, the Keyshawn Johnsons, right? Yeah. The great USC Trojan wide receivers, his name deserves to be up there. And the fact that he can even be in that conversation is a tribute to what he's contributed here at USC. I mean, the, the dude has been flat out dominant from the time that he stepped here as a, as a freshman to his senior year. He has solidified his role and has solidified his spot amongst the the great USC football players. Oh, yeah, and especially the past two years when exactly. he was the bona fide number one receiver on the team. No doubt. I don't know if he'll be a number one pick in this upcoming NFL draft, Just yeah. but just because it's so, it's it's so it's stacked. Loaded, right? And the fact that he could even make the Blitnikoff finalist when you're going up against the Jerry Judys and basically every re- Alabama receiver, yeah. right? The fact that you can make that finalist and regardless of whether or not he wins, the fact that he's even in that conversation is just a tribute to how yeah. great he's been. And this team isn't where it is right now. We're not sitting at 8-4 and four without him. Exactly. We're not We're not even close to that, sniffing that, I think, from what he's contributing on the field and the leadership that he provides off the field. Yeah. Uh, it, it's exceptional. Just a quick comment about those Alabama receivers. I saw your tweet over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're ridiculous, but we're yeah. not going to get Four too far one. into that. Yeah, they, they are ridiculous. Um, but I think the, the big thing that has to be addressed from our standpoint, we're not doing this show justice if we don't talk about the, the fiasco that happened over this weekend with the, you know Clay Helton and Sports Illustrated. So context for those of you who might not know about it, Sports Illustrated re- released a report that Clay Helton was to be fired or he was fired, which was immediately disputed by USC and everybody, basically everyone in the industry that has sources within USC said, no, this is not true. This has not occurred. Um, it, it was a mess. It was a mess. Fiasco is an understatement of what that <laughs> whole thing was. I was sitting in the airport about to leave to come back to USC. Mm-hmm. I, I was nervous. Nervous. I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it's just so strange. Like, it, and I, you, you hate to see stuff like that kind of, you know, infiltrate the the best organizations, right? You wouldn't see this out of. Alabama. You wouldn't exactly. see this out of Ohio State. You wouldn't see this out of, you know, even Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the premier college football uh, franchises, I guess, not really a franchise, but the, the premier college football programs, they don't have this sort of stuff, right? So the fact that even we have this issue, that, that that's indicative of the regression that we've had since the Pete Carroll era. Yeah. And it's, to me, it's disappointing and it's, uh, there's no place for it. Yeah, that whole thing is just a big waste of time yeah really like we still have a bowl game let's just get through that and then exactly make the real coaching decision exactly and you know whether i'm not gonna you know that this is our discussion for another day whether or not you keep helton the fact that you the the team has to deal with this going into what's probably going to be its most important game of the year and you have this dark cloud hanging over the team the team of you know is helton going to i mean it was already there but now it's yeah. like wide out in the open for everyone to see and it's it's 
it's frustrating. It's frustrating. I, I have no other word for it. It's frustrating. So what we've been hearing now, as it's becoming more clear of what the situation is, mm-hmm. it's looking like Clay Helton's going to be retained. Really? But that means there might be some switching of coordinators and mm-hmm. assistant coaches. And we talked about this earlier before the show. Right. That's not good. Yeah, it, yeah, because it's been Graham Harrell's offense, the right that, that that I mean we just talked about 515 yards for Ke- Keaton Slovis, four receivers over 100 yards. That's Graham Harrell's offense. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, um, USC has been striving in that with a freshman quarterback. Right. I'm so, not sure what that offense looks like without him. Yeah. And where do we go even to look in terms of replacing that? Yeah, and we, we I know Graham Harrell definitely does deserve mm-hmm. a head coaching job. You just don't want to see him go the way he performed last this past he season and this head coaching job he could he could be a candidate we don't know that but i know there's still a lot of people to talk about right. now we could get into a list of tens of different candidates right. but the one on everyone's mind has still been urban meyer yeah and, and we, we've talked about this the, the, pretty the, much every episode the deeper we get into it the less realistic it seems right yeah the less realistic that it seems that urban's going to want to come out of his role with as an analyst and he's going to want to step back into the realm of coaching especially with uh usc where he would already have that added pressure of bringing them back to what they once were um he it, it just doesn't seem feasible anymore and you know it might have been a pipe dream to begin with but you know at, at this particular juncture it's not going to happen yeah and that's what i think that's why clay helton may stay is just because for this whole year it's been urban meyer bust mm-hmm. who's going to be the guy that comes in now that's basically the b tier right guy that you on usc's list of head coaching candidates is it franklin is it we talked about mike norvell at uh memphis memphis oh yeah and regardless credit has to be given to clay helton in terms of what he's been able to do given the uh the things he's had to deal with in terms of the injury and the injuries the youth he's had to you know try to throw into the fire immediately there's there's credit for that team to be eight and four at this point and looking at you know a pretty good bowl game that's pretty good but it's never been good enough exactly And, and and for a lot of usc fans we haven't seen clay helton be good enough because the standard is so high for this for this program yeah and even i was researching into the college football playoff and just mm-hmm. who's been in who's been out and even when we won the Pac-12 championship a few years back we right. still missed out because of two losses and right even in the Pac-12 two anywhere two losses isn't good exactly. enough nowadays exactly so if it, you need to be for the Pac-12 to even get in basically an undefeated champion a four team in Utah you know, if Georgia loses this upcoming weekend to LSU, Utah will probably be in. But in order to be even considered, especially coming from a, a Power Five conference, but one of the lesser Power Five conferences in the Pac-12, you need to almost be perfect, like you said. Yeah, Either you can't have actively visible flaws. And if you that that one slip up game, right? That one BYU game. That's yeah. the end-all, be-all for your entire season, and it demands perfection. And I'm not sure if Clay Helton can get that out of this team. And that that's that's because I, I respect everything that he's been able to do, but I'm not sure if he's the guy to demand perfection. And that's what has to be – that's the standard here. That's the standard. Or at I least would, that's what it needs to be. Yeah, I would say 
though the one thing that could keep Clay Helton's job that it wouldn't be the end of the world if he mm. stays. This no, it's year. not. Not at all. It's not. not all. But I do think if we can retain Graham Harrell, that's the main. Yeah. That should be the main focus of Mike Bone, Carol Fult right now. Is mm-hmm. just don't let him take the Texas job. Yeah. Like, I mean, if he if he wants to be a head coach, there's not much we can do. Exactly. If if uh, Clay Helton is going to be our head coach next season, um, but heck, if it's a financial thing, if it's a you know uh, you know visibility thing for him uh, it, it i agree we need to do everything in our power to keep uh graham Hel- or graham helton uh the <laughs> offensive coordinator we need yeah. to do everything in our power to keep him because he has had this offense buzzing from season start to season end yeah and now i would the say defense oh the okay. defense that's been a little bit questionable yeah so the one thing i was gonna say was if we do keep graham harrell i do think clay and graham deserve like one more year yeah just now they'll have a a sophomore quarterback, mm-hmm. not much, hopefully not too many injury concerns. But now, yeah, you want to talk about the defense. Right. I think if we do get a new head coach, he's got to be somewhat of a defensive-minded coach. Yeah, and I'm, the old the old saying goes right: defense wins championships. And you see the best teams that come out of the that end up winning every year. They have a dominant defense whether it's Alabama or Clemson with that D-line last year it's a dominant defense and our our defense hasn't unfortunately been anywhere near dominant at least over the course of this year and we have the talent I think or USC has the talent they're Um, still young but yes exactly Um, you have some pretty solid linebackers coming back. Um, the kid out of uh, modern day, I forget his name, but he's he was injured this entire year. He's going to be coming back. You have some decent talent in the secondary. Pass rushers, the uh, the young cat, I forget his name. Drake Jackson? Drake Jackson. He's definitely solid. So you have talent on that end of the ball. It's about making that talent into a cohesive, dominant unit and, and you know imposing your will on the teams that you play because I've yet to see in any game this year this team imposed their – or defensively at least impose their will on what would be perceived to be a good offense. We yeah, especially done. against like the Justin Herberts of right. the Pac twelve. Oh yeah. And you know, I guess you could argue that we did a little bit against Utah, but you know, it has to be more consistent. Mm-hmm. It has to be more consistent. Now the one thing I've been noticing just looking through Twitter mm-hmm. is people aren't bashing Clay Helton too much about the way he ran the offense and the defense this year. Right. It's been more about the fact that we have Below top fifty recruiting class coming in. Yeah, and that that's inexcusable for for, for USC, USC. Yeah, that's inexcusable. You're you're right in the hub of Southern California, which is one of the best, the most talented. You know, you get the most talented kids in in this area, right? Yeah. And if you can't retain those kids and keep them here, it, it that's to me, it, it's not, it's not. It, it's not feasible to sustain a good program. If you can't keep the talent in your area, and that's for anyone, that's for Alabama, that's for Ohio State, if you can't keep the talent that's around you, you can't make a, a consistently good team. Yeah, and I think that's why Urban Meyer was such a pressing need for this school, just because of his ability to recruit, his name. Everyone wants to play for a guy like Urban Meyer, Nick Saban. I think if we did get, if we were able to get Urban Meyer, he would be, without a doubt, the best possible hire for us just because of the recruiting right and yeah, just yeah from a feasibility standpoint i'm not sure if it's realistic um to close the show shout out sarah she had a great idea uh i just wanted to look at some twitter i, I just wanted to see what the latest things on twitter okay you know for clay Heldens looking like what were people's mindset at um so at 
underscore Drawlin says Clay Helton is eight and four and has the best record of any USC coach in the past 40 years and not named Pete Carroll. Plus he cleaned up the program. I can see the rationale for keeping him. Okay. That, that's a, that's a solid take. That's a solid take. Now I'm sure there's going to be on others. There's going to be stuff on the other side. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff on the yeah, other side. You know, uh, they already have a coach who is middling and mediocre too. Clay Helton, by all accounts, is a great guy and will run a clean program. With that said, I think it's pretty clear that he is not anything special as a head coach, and that's the issue, right? He's he's a solid head coach, but he's not special. And you know, uh, for the standard that USC has set over the past couple of years, it has to be special. Um, one year, I like USC, and my wife is a Trojan. Good to know. I needed that. Right on. Uh, I find this entire exchange hilarious. USC fans are just very upset, as they should be, because their administration has let them down again. Clay Helton can't recruit anymore because of the uncertainty. 67-ranked class is unacceptable. You were right. That's unacceptable. Exactly. It's, uh, 67 is unacceptable. Um, so I don't I even th- think there are 67 teams in the Power Five. Yeah, that, yeah it, it's, it, when, when, you're, when you're losing out to a team like Memphis, that, that, that doesn't make sense. This has been another episode of The Scoreboard. Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been Reagan Griffin joined by Michael Fumifredo. We're going to go on a little bit of break, a, a little bit of a break again. Just a few weeks. Uh, got finals, got Christmas, got New Year's, but we will see you guys in 2020. We're going to be, you know, having more exciting content. You know, some of the smaller sports, volleyball, track and field, soccer, water polo. We're going to be interviewing some of those guys, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of what it takes to formulate dominant teams in some of the lesser known sports at USC. So, you know, be look on the lookout for that content and we'll see you in 2020. Thanks for listening to the first part of this week's double episode installment. Make sure to follow at Amedia Sports to stay updated with all USC sports news and this podcast. Keep listening to the next episode for news about USC basketball and their promising season thus far. (laughs) 